So if you take your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Acts 16 as we continue our study of the book of Acts. And what to, I just want to remind you is the way Luke has put his, uh, his sort of second volume of his two-volume work, the Gospel of Luke and then Acts, what Luke is continuing to show us uh, chapter after chapter is that the works of Jesus are continuing in the power of the Holy Spirit through his church, through believers. That although Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, he continues to do his work through the Holy Spirit, which is the personal presence of Christ in us believers individually and corporately the church to continue the works of Jesus through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Luke drives at, chapter after chapter after chapter. And in Acts 16, we get this, uh, uh, this narrative of, 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 of Paul and, and, and interfacing with a number of different kinds of people. And through the narrative, we learn some very important truths, theological truths, truths about God, truths about the Spirit, Truths about how we should respond to our situation as we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, continue the works of Jesus. Now there's a lot of details in this chapter that I probably won't deal enough with, but you should read this afternoon and look at some of the details. You probably should get an atlas, a Bible atlas, and take a look at all these different places I'm not going to show you all of where Paul went necessarily. He's in the middle of his second missionary journey. But I want us to learn four truths, four realities. In other words, if continuing the works of Jesus is, is what we are to do through, through us by the power of the Holy Spirit, it means four things. It means four truths that we need to grab a hold of and we see it in the narrative. So let's look at the first, the first truth, the first reality, the first way in which we need to grab a hold of if we're going to see the works of Jesus working through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is this, we must learn to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, Rachel didn't read these, uh, these verses because we told her not to read those verses. But I, we're going to look at them now because this sets up as Paul begins to get into uh, the city of uh, Philippi, uh, here's what it says in verse 6. They went to the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and notice this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia, was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And what is interesting about this passage is it shows that, that, that Paul was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he was sensitive of being guided by the Holy Spirit to where he would exactly go and preach the gospel. And notice the, the, the negative leading of the Spirit, so to speak. 
Verse 6, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, we're not told how, you know, what the Holy Spirit did. Was it an audible voice? Was it an internal sort of sense? But he understands that he, he's not to speak the word in Asia. And then, then he goes to Mysia, and they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So you have another no. Paul is, is on the move. He's, he's taking action. He's trying to fulfill his calling to preach the gospel, and the Spirit says, don't go there, and now don't go there. And then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. The man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So now, with this vision that Paul sees in the middle of the night, he then acts upon that. And apparently the Spirit doesn't prevent him from going to Macedonia, which he sensed was what God wanted him to do. Now, for some of you, you're going to look at all this and say, this sounds, I don't know about this, Tracy. But I'm supposed to wait to a vision, you know, and somebody's going to guide me, you know, the spirit. <laughs> Relax a little bit. Chill out. What I would say to us is that um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about how the spirit guides some of you might look at this passage and say, okay, well, I'm just going to pray, and until God directs me to do something, I'm not going to do anything. Well, have a, have a nice time in your, your, your bed this week. I think God always tells you and wakes you up and then shows you minute by minute what you're supposed to do. You've been given a brain, right? You, you've been given a Bible that tells you that the mission that you have and the church has is to be <coughs> witnesses of Jesus Christ, to tell people about him, to live in a, a way uh, that's consistent with that calling as being a follower of Jesus, to help people come to know him, to care for people, to love people. You've got a lot of direction from the scripture. And, and, and Paul is not sitting there waiting, okay, uh, Holy Spirit, show me what to do. No, he tries to go here because he, he knows that these individuals need the gospel. He tried to go into Asia. He tries to go in Bithynia to the north. And then uh, he's told no. He's redirected. And then through this vision, he gets a sense to go to Macedonia. What I'm trying to tell you is if you wait around to the Spirit of God to tell you what to do every minute of every day, that is not the picture here. The picture is you, you, you go about your life, you think about it, you, you move forward, but then you are sensitive to how the Spirit leads you as you are in movement. Let God guide you, direct you to the people, to the places <coughs> where he wants you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. I had kind of a real-world example of it this week. I, some of you know I do row. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm rowing at Carnegie Lake Rowing Association. They had race camp this week. We rowed every single morning. Stupidest thing I've ever decided to do. We were preparing for this race, and I have to tell you, my boat, bronze medal. Don't clap. There were only three boats in the race. <laughs> Seriously. But it's Wednesday morning of race camp. I'm on, the, I'm on 27 from Kingston. I'm driving down to the boathouse, Princeton University of Boathouse. 
about 100 meters in front of me, I see this car, you know, kind of kind of wildly it looked like, pull into what I thought was a driveway, about 100 meters front, just really quickly. I said, well, what's going on there? When I get up there, I find out they're not in a driveway. They've crashed into the utility pole. The thing is cut in half, and my car has now nearly run into the wires that are now falling across Route 27. The person who was driving was injured. There's bleach, bleeding. I asked her, should I, you know, I need to call the 911. She said, yeah, that would be really helpful. So I called 911. Uh, I'm sitting there waiting. I got my car out from under the wires. And, I, and I, I, I just need to be just perfectly honest with you. My first thought after I knew the woman looked like she was going to live, she is bleeding, my first thought was, how long do I need to stay here because I really need to row this morning? Good Samaritan, not so much. But the Lord spoke to me, I think, and said, you need to stay here till everyone gets here. So I called the rowing people and said, I, I can't row today. There's a big accident. So stayed there. Stayed to the, the police, got there, the ambulance, talked to the police officer a little about what I saw, which was not much. And then I'm getting ready to, to, to leave the scene and... Uh, I've already missed the rowing, so that's not really an issue. And there was a bus picked up a bunch of passengers, and Princeton was on its way to New York City, but it wasn't making good time because it was stuck, and the wires were there. They're not allowed to back up, apparently. The bus driver said, we're going to be here for a while. And then the bus driver asked me if I was willing to, to sort of shuttle people into the Princeton train station for them. And I said, for 100 bucks a ride, I'm in. I actually said that, but I didn't collect the money. But. And for some reason, I looked at this as, you know, I'm glad the woman is okay. I needed to do my Good Samaritan thing. I'm a little bummed about not rowing. But I guess because I'm studying this passage, it dawned on me, maybe there's an opportunity here, Tracy, to share the gospel. Maybe you needed to be here, not at race camp. And so sure enough, the first two guys who get in my car to drive to the Princeton uh, to, the, to the train station, uh, they start talking to me, uh, they found out I was a pastor, we begin to talk about spiritual things, and all of a sudden, an opportunity from the person I'm driving just asked me the question, you know, what do you preach, what, 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 what do you say to your congregation on a regular basis, and I got to talk about Jesus. The Spirit is trying to get in you to fulfill the mission of Jesus by being a witness of Jesus and he is in the process of guiding you to the people that you need to speak with. He's also going to say no to some opportunities and say sort of prevent you from going forward and we need to be sensitive to how the Spirit may be leading us and who the Spirit may be leading us to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given us. And I know from myself, I can get locked into my schedule. I know that I can get locked into what I need to do. And I, I fail to see what the Spirit may be orchestrating right in front of my, my, my eyes to, prevent, to provide a different context and a different group of people for me to share with. And I think he's trying to do the same with you. And we probably all would do well to ask God by his Spirit to guide you to the people and to guide you away from the people that you don't need to spend time with 
but to guide you to the people to give you the kind of opportunities to share Christ and let the Spirit of God do the works of Jesus through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the first lesson, the first way to continue the works of Jesus through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a second here. Let's look up at verse 11. This is the, the first person that, that Paul meets in Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony. It was uh, on, on a, near a good uh, port in, in terms of those waterways. There's also lots of highways, so to speak, that intersected. So it was good for commerce. It was a great area for agriculture. There was a lot of former Roman soldiers who had colonized and, 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 and lived and moved to this city. So in verse 11, we pick up the story. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So essentially what, what, what many commentators think is what's happening here is that Paul and Silas are looking for to minister to the Jewish community and maybe there's not a synagogue in Philippi and maybe this place of prayer is a place for Jewish individuals but also proselytes, Gentile proselytes who are there meeting by the river because they didn't have enough people for the synagogue. That may be true. Certainly Lydia who we pick up in verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. She was a, probably a high-end fashion boutique manager. She is, she is making expensive clothes with the purple dye. She is a businesswoman. Doesn't seem to appear that she has a husband. She seems to have a large household. Apparently she's a very effective businesswoman. Seems to be a Gentile but who is a worshiper of God. In other words, uh, this would be a description of someone who had uh, connected with Judaism because they were devout in, 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 in wanting to follow the God of Israel. And so she's here with these women who are at this time of prayer. And notice this text. This is such an important text in the middle of a narrative that gives us profound theology. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. As Paul began to speak, guided by the Holy Spirit to get there. In other words, this is a divine appointment. Clearly, the verses 6 through 10 describe that. Paul's trying to go here. He's trying to go there. Spirit says, no, no, gives him a dream, a vision. And then he goes into the city. He finds this prayer time by the river. And Lydia's listening, and it says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And there we are reminded of the second way we need to live out the, the works of Jesus in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we must understand that only the Lord can open hearts to Jesus. He's the only one who can do it. 
It's not your clever words. It's not your presentation of the gospel. It's not your clever ability to deal with all of the apologetic issues. All right? That, that stuff is all good, and, and you should be prepared, certainly. But the key part of seeing the mission of Jesus continue is that the Lord had to open Lydia's heart. It was the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, who opened her heart up to see who God was, what Jesus had done, and to see her own sin in a new way that allowed her to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we hear this, and we read later that she was baptized and asked Paul to stay with her and with her household. And now a church in this city is beginning to be founded. This is so critical. So critical to understand that it is the power of the Spirit is the power of the Lord that has to open people's hearts. Now, Paul certainly spoke to her. He did his part. But in order for someone, anyone to listen to you and listen to the gospel, the Lord has to open up their hearts. And I think if we understood that more, we would pray a lot more for the people in our lives that we really want to share with, that we feel like God is leading us to share with. We pray a lot more that he would do that work of opening hearts. I think parents is an important truth for you, right? No Christian parent, every Christian parent wants to see their child grow up and follow Jesus Christ, of course. And you're, you're responsible to teach them the gospel and to point them to Christ. But you don't have the power in and of yourself to open up your child's heart. You don't. And that's why you pray. That's why you ask God to do what he can do. Yes, you need to be faithful, but ultimately, that work of, of bringing someone to faith comes from that God, from the Holy Spirit who opens up hearts. So if we're going to allow the Spirit of God through us to do the works of Jesus, we need to be praying that Jesus and the Spirit would do the work that only he can do, even as we're faithful in sharing, knowing that it is only by the power of God that anyone comes to faith in Christ. That's the second way for Jesus to continue his works through the power of the Holy Spirit through us. There's a third way. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. This woman, young girl, was, was certainly uh, demonized in some way. She was able to tell the future through the fact that the, that the evil one or, or one of his... Uh, you know, demons was, was working through her. She made them a lot of money. She was enslaved to this owner. Verse 17, she followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, at first glance, you say, well, that's pretty good promotion. Sometimes I wish there would be one of you would follow me around town. This man proclaims the way of salvation. Listen to him. But none of you do that. But apparently it got to Paul. Apparently it, it, it began to inhibit his ability to fulfill the, the works of Jesus, to do the works of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And apparently this verse 18, it kept up for many days, and Paul became greatly annoyed 
turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. The third thing we must understand is that we must anticipate the spiritual battle that takes place when we, by the power of the Spirit, begin to continue the works of Jesus by sharing about Jesus to other people. We should turn to 2 Corinthians 4 4. Just to see this spiritual battle and how it operates and how this narrative is a picture of this. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4 4. Paul writes, in their case, the God of this world, the evil one, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sakes. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What you see in the scriptures is that Satan is in always working to blind people from the gospel. In Jesus' parable of the soils, it's the birds which picture Satan who snatched the seed before it can take root. Satan is always trying to keep people from hearing and understanding the gospel. And this slave girl who was making lots of money for her owners is, is no exception. She's, she's being controlled and being used and oppressed by the evil one. And you got to understand, you have, we all have to understand that when we go about and do and continue the works of Jesus, which means we are witnesses of who Jesus is and what he's done, you can expect pushback and you can expect to be involved in a spiritual battle. And no one needs to fret over that. No one needs to be overly fearful because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But we should expect it. We should pray with that knowledge and understanding so that the gospel can go forth. That's the third way. Lastly, the last way to live out and do the works of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit is that we must endure hardship with joy. Verse 19 to 22, the, the, the owners of the, the girl who would foretell the future now realizes that their, 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 their income has been uh, de- depleted and degraded by what Paul had done. They take Paul before the authorities Paul and Silas are beaten, and when they inflicted many blows upon them, verse 23, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. They were in the inner prison, fastened their their feet in the stocks. They were put in the most secure place in that prison. In verse 25, this is an amazing story. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. They have been beaten. They have been uh, wrongfully beaten, by the way, because they were Roman citizens. They were beaten. They had an unjust situation. And what are they doing at midnight? Singing and praying to God, and everyone's watching them. We must learn to endure hardship to continue the works of Jesus. Jesus died for our sins, not so that we would never die or suffer in following him, so that when we suffer in following him, we become like him. They're singing hymns, and the earthquake happens. All the doors are opened. 
The jailer sees all this. He wants to kill himself because he thinks everyone has fled. And Paul says, no, we're all here. In verse 30, just this amazing scene. Then the, he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. God begins to continue to build his church. First with Lydia, then with the slave girl who was demonized, and then with the jailer and probably other prisoners are now finding Christ through the power of the Spirit as they continue the works of Jesus. But it's going to require that we endure hardships with joy. Sometimes I wonder about us. I wonder about myself. I wonder that if I was falsely and incorrectly beaten by the authorities and I was put in prison, I've got wounds that have, that, that are, have not been dressed properly, uh, I've been uh, beaten up for Jesus, I wonder what I would have been doing at midnight in that jail. Sometimes I think I would have been writing my, my, my book, you know, how I'm, I'm, I'm the martyr for Jesus or something. They're praying and singing. Made a huge impact on the jailer and his family, probably the other prisoners. I must tell you that one of the ways that Jesus' works continue through us by the power of the Holy Spirit is when believers show the same kind of joy in the midst of real hardships. Just this week, visited uh, several people in the hospital from Stonehill. And in one of the rooms, I walked out of the room after visiting with uh, the person and, and their family. And when I was walking out, the nurse caught me and said, are you the pastor? This I said, yeah, I, I wasn't sure to say, say it is our problem. You know, I'm, I'm from a different church. I never know. But, but I admitted, yes, I'm their pastor. And the, the nurse told me, what that family's going through is awful with the sickness they're dealing with. But I have never met anyone who faced such a terrible diagnosis and was really struggling, who was so joyful all the time. She's a real testament to what's going on at your church. I'm thinking about coming to your church. That's enduring hardship with joy. That's what Paul did. He's singing, he's praying. And when God begins to move, he has a story to tell and people listen, including the jailer. And God builds his church. I think we underestimate what the Lord would like to do in us and through us. I think we fail to understand that what Jesus is trying to do by the power of the Holy Spirit in us is to continue his work through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are never going to really fully be engaged in that unless we learn to be more sensitive to, to the Spirit's leading to who we should be witnesses to. If we, uh, we need to understand that only the Lord can open up people's hearts and trust him and pray even as we speak. We must anticipate the spiritual battle that will inevitably happen when we share the, the beauty and glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. And we must learn to endure hardships with joy because people are watching. And as we live out these theological, biblical realities, the Spirit is able to move through us 
so that the works of Jesus Christ continue on this earth through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us. Each of us who know you as our Savior, Lord, you have given us a sacred task to be witnesses of you. I pray that you would give us wisdom by your Spirit to know who and where and, and what to say. I pray that you would be with us in helping us to understand that only you can open up people's hearts. So may we depend upon you, not our eloquence, but you. Help us to understand the nature of the spiritual battle and that greater is he that is in us than he that he is in the world. And finally, I pray that you would help us to learn to endure hardships with joy so that we illustrate the gospel in our own life. And the way that we live matches the words of the gospel that we speak. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.